Simon Wollstonecroft is a drummer from Manchester. His first band at school was with Ian Brown and John Squire. His second band became The Smiths. He played with The Fall for 11 years and continues to play drums for Manchester bands today. Johnny Marr nicknamed him Funky Sai. This is Funky Sai's A to Z of Manchester. Hello Simon, how are you? I'm great Jackie, thank you. What have you been up to? I've been on my holidays again. Oh. <laughs> uh, went to Italy, Bari, down on the southeast of Heel uh, of Italy. Not been before. I love Italy, as you know, and love everything about it, the food, the people, the weather. I had a lovely time. I was a bit sceptical about going on the plane, mm -hmm. but it was absolutely no problem, to be honest. Did you fly from Manchester? I went from Liverpool. Oh. It was cheaper. <laughs> I like Liverpool Airport, actually, John Lennon Airport. Smartened it up a lot, you know, since the old days. Plane was full. No social distancing on the plane? Well, yeah, you sat next to everybody, three on a seat, you know, three abreast, all the way down there, but you're not allowed to walk around anymore, peeping out the window and chatting up the air stewardesses. No, because you've not been allowed to do that since the 70s, Simon. <laughs> you have to wear a mask constantly all through the flight, and you do get constant reminders. Please, can you put your mask over your face? completely over your nose, over your mouth, uh, which I did, because it was only a two-and-a-half-hour flight. Because I had a good tailwind. Got <laughs> It wasn't so bad, but I wouldn't like to go on a you know, long haul that, under that sort of condition. No, you wouldn't want to be going to LA or something, would you? Not really, not unless you were desperate. What about at the airport itself? Was that busy? No, not from Liverpool. Um, the only other thing I can remember, basically, if you want to go to the loo, you have to press the bell. And the steward, stewardess says So that. everybody knows that you want to go to the loo? They do. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> so um, I don't mind on planes. On short flights, I can fall asleep pretty much anywhere, which I'm quite lucky to be able to do that. So it didn't bother me. I just made sure I went before I got on. <laughs> and do you drink on a flight? No, not really. I mean, if it's a long-haul one, well, I'll get sozzled. When we got to Italy, it was, it was fine, but they, they're straight out with a thermometer you know, between your eyes, you know, Phew. yes, OK, you come through. When you get off the plane, you have to do it row by row, very methodically, from the front. So uh, did that take a long time? Yeah, it did, but it always takes a long time anyway. You always get some daft struggler, don't you? Putting bits and bobs in the bags, holding up the queue, getting off. Why don't people get ready when they know? I don't know. I don't know. It drives me round the bend when you're in the queue at the supermarket and the surprise that seems to go across their face that they think, oh, I've got to get my purse out now. You think, will you get on with it? So, yeah, some people seem to take pleasure in it, don't they? What, holding people up? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why you should never, ever rise to it. Oh, I don't. Because that's what they want. I'd rather put my stuff back and walk out if it was uh, annoying me that much. Just smile. Just say, yeah, you take your time, sunshine. But coming back into the country, um, I only went for three nights. Gorgeous 11th century port, walled city. Lovely place. Didn't hear one English accent, apart from Lulu, of course. Lovely. Old Simon was there. And luckily, she's, she's, uh, she, she can get by, you know, with Italian which is very helpful, because I probably would have been stuck without her. So, But when you come back, um, the guy at the customs, immigration, he said, have you filled in your form? Now, we'd heard about these forms. Basically, we'd not done it. We said, no, we've not done it. He said, oh, it doesn't matter, just come through anyway. <laughs> Nobody with a thermometer, like there was in Italy on the way there. 
So perhaps they should do something about that. Oh, no, isn't that terrible? But I didn't feel threatened or, you know, worried about being on the plane with all those people. Did it feel a very different experience to normal flights? Not really. In fact, it's probably better because sometimes you get people walking down the aisle and get on your nerves just by looking at them. (laughs) Anyway, we're up to week 15, I think, so it's the letter O. Well, my first O is Orinoco. (laughs) One of the Wombles, remember them? You're probably not old enough, Yes, of course I remember Wombling Free. There wasn't much to watch on telly and I did watch it. Not that I'm apologising. Stop-start animation, lovely. Very charming. A bit like rhubarb and custard. You know, if they did it again now, it'd be ruined, you know, digitally, like they did with that one I worked on. Don't don't bring Danger Mouse up again. (laughs) We've just about got over that one. The Wombles, they were like bear-like creatures with faces like a hedgehog and claws. Um, they were very forward-thinking people who reused a litter. Recycling, weren't they? They were the first ones, really. They really were, they, radical. It started in 69, uh, ran for years, uh, based in Wimbledon Common. They lived in Burroughs. Great Uncle Bulgaria. I can never understand why. He had a tartan <laughs> scarf and a hat. Maybe he had some Scottish in him. <laughs> uh, there was Tobermory. He'd be a useful guy to know. You could knock stuff up. Uh, a union man. The opposite to the great uncle Bulgaria, who was a Times reader, a royalist. Um, a bit bit grumpy, if I'm honest, I thought. And uh, used to do me head. <laughs> <laughs> but Tobermory, you liked. You could, yeah, Dad. Yes. He'd be useful if you were in that borough. And Handy. So he's your mate, is he? Tobermory. What yeah. about Orinoco? What was Orinoco this? Orinoco was just a bit, um, he was a bit silly once. He was always asleep. And he'd do a bit of a shirker, basically. But <laughs> they got involved. Um, Wait a minute, there was a woman as well, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, and Madame Cholet. <laughs> oh, so they were going very international as well. Yeah, well, she, she didn't speak French, she just put an accent on. It didn't make the food taste any better. <laughs> you know, they used to get fruit and what have you, and apple cores that people are left behind. That's one of the lyrics, I think. <laughs> they were on top of the pops a couple of times. Remember you're a womble. Remember you're... Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. Is it Mike Bat? <laughs> yeah, it's quite gl- uh, glam rock, that, you know, if you listen to it. <laughs> it did very well. But um, Orinoco and co, the whole crew, in fact, came down to Dunham Park when I uh, was at school, at Alty Grammar. It was either 74 or 75. They were doing a road show in conjunction with... Keep Britain tidy. And they used to give out stickers and what have you, pencil cases, you know, keep Britain tidy on. But anyway, the, the crew were down there. I went with Ian. <laughs> so, you know, coming up here from Wimbledon Common. Oh, no. <laughs> you didn't start a scrap with the Wombles, well, did you? Yeah, there was a lot of people there. Oh, no. And, and there, there was... <laughs> they had those heavy suits on, you know, fur, You bell. didn't push them over? Yeah, we, we pushed him around a bit, me and Ian. Uh, give him a couple of uh, rabbit punches in the ribs. <laughs> we were just messing about. We weren't being horrible. <laughs> but, yeah, it must have been a school trip because there was no way me and Ian would have gone to that voluntarily. <laughs> you were forced. Perhaps it was detention. You were forced to go. No, there was a big crowd there. That's what I mean. So, you know, there's all people around. <laughs> Remember me or what? <laughs> 
can't believe you attacked the Wombles. I know. But, uh, you know, well, we're just having fun. You know, we're only young. <laughs> Wasn't much to do in those days, kids. Not really. Nothing on the telly. Three channels. <laughs> My next old Jackie is the Old Market Tavern in Altrincham, which uh, obviously is still standing. Uh, well, it was last week. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody check on it, for goodness sakes. <laughs> well, they were talking about converting part of it or all of it into flats, like everywhere else. Uh, the Bleeding Wolf went that way as well, further down the road towards Ashley. Language. <laughs> went for a pint with Morrissey in there, you know, and with the Smiths, yeah. And all these uh, girls were nicking his glass, you know, when he finished drinking out of it. It's a souvenir, <laughs> I used to go rehearsing at the Old Market Tavern on the Old Market Square there, very old building, it's up with its 1700s. Big white one on the corner as you drive through Alton. Well, the patrol used to uh, rehearse in there, as well as Walton Road Scout up, getting the keys off the face of Mrs Slaughter. But uh, for a while, I used to go out with the uh, landlord's daughter, Jeanette, who was, um, you know, living in the pub, who came from the Bleeding Wolf, you see, because we used to go in there as well. When, you know, when I was got about 15, 16. <laughs> yeah, great place. Uh, it's the heart of the... Um, it's a rock and roll pub. It's the music pub, really. When I say music, I don't mean... <laughs> I mean, you know, proper instruments playing. And I played there many a time. A couple of charity gigs for um, Christie's. So has it got a special room? Or is it just within the pub itself you yeah, play? Yeah, it has got a special room which is the pub. <laughs> <laughs> but is it separate? If people just want to go for a drink, or have they got to put up with...? Yeah, they will have to put up with Oh, OK. It. Simple as that. They've got a rehearsal room next door. Right. But, but we used to rehearse upstairs, where these proposed flats were being planned, but I don't know what's happening. But it was my local for years, not only when I was uh, younger, but when I was living at Osborne Road, there's another old, which is a lo- lovely little terraced house that I was living in with my ex-wife and my daughter, Emily. I were there 16 years, I think. And so I used to go up there. I could stumble home, you know, after doing a gig. But I, saw, I think I saw um, Bowenhead's band there with Rowetta. She was singing in it. And Andy Rock on bass, I'm sure. It was um, the Docks, I think they were called. Because Bowenhead lives up the road there, you know. Um, yeah, I had a lovely time. Uh, I used to go to a place called The Greenhouse on Goose Green in Altrincham. For the sole reason, I was walking past there one day and I saw a Mark Kennedy mosaic of Marky Smith. That one where he's wearing that snazzy jumper. <laughs> Black and white, I think. It was bits of yellow in it. Anyway, that was my sort of local as well. You had a few locals. Yeah, you know, it's only a small place. Yeah. Market town. Uh, I used to go playing pitch and putt with Emily on the uh, school playing fields next to the golf club. I used to play golf, uh, but my dad's club got nicked, you know, set of clubs of this robber, so I gave up. I used to have a couple of uh, nine-irons potter about, and me and Emily used to belt these balls. We used to find them all, because there's a driving range connected to it, and we'd go around collecting all these yellow golf balls. <laughs> Hit them, lose them again. We're Get getting a right catalogue of things that you've done that the police could probably <laughs> arrest you for. I'm sure a lot of people do that. You know, they end up in the stream, you see, the little brook. Uh. You're helping, re- you're like your own little womble. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, you see. But uh, they were way ahead of, you know, the years, weren't they? Way ahead of the time. I uh, drove past the old market tavern today. It looked very inviting, I've got to say, in the sun, you know, with the benches out. 
uh, but it's too busy, you know, running around. But it's a great place, I hope they stay open. Uh, but it is the, you know, the central music pub, real music, and long may they continue. <laughs> The next O is the big O, Roy Orbison. Now, I've loved his voice. I think he's better than he was better than Elvis. In about '89 in the winter, I got a phone call off Mark. Says, "Sigh, I've got your ticket for Roy Orbison." I thought, brilliant. Pretty woman. I drove all night. I drove all night. <laughs> what a great driving song it is. I said, yeah, blimey, I'd love to come, I'll have, I'll have some of that. Got dead excited, because Mark claimed that um, he'd learnt a lot of mic technique off Roy himself. No, not personal tuition. <laughs> <laughs> Round at his house. But he'd watched him on TV, you know, the way he moved back away from the mic at certain points when he's singing, you know, when he's probably playing a lot of guitar or whatever. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll go and see this mic technique for myself. So he said, right, come and pick me up. <laughs> so... I drove up to Presswich and his mum came with us, which was nice. And obviously, she was a massive fan too, as was Mark. And uh, we went to the Alma Lodge Hotel opposite. A couple of drinks in there, over over the road to the Davenport Theatre, which unfortunately isn't there anymore. No, the school took it over, didn't they? Was it the school, though, or was it Quick Fit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I thought the school... The, the grammar it, school took it over. Yeah, there's a stretch of land there. It was definitely around there, probably half and half. But so. it was a great little venue, wasn't it, the Davenport Theatre? Oh, absolutely. I saw Russ Abbott there, and I saw... What's Rock on Tommy? Um, Cannon and Ball. Cannon and Ball. Rock on Tommy. <laughs> I absolutely loved Cannon and Ball. I had a Rock on Tommy sweatshirt that I got from Withinshaw Market. Oh, blimey. I loved it. <laughs> So, uh, so carry on, Roy Orbison. Yeah. The, yeah. So, so we walk up the road, leave the car there, and uh, get into the theatre. It was fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Now I thought, well, you know, he's probably on the downside of his career. He's had all his massive hits. This is why I thought, well, there's not many people here. <laughs> <laughs> where's the road? Is you know, where's the photographers, the groupies, the caterers, you know, the TV cameras? And I just thought, oh well, you know. Um, he's bowing out, you know, doing small venue sort of thing. And he had three guys there, old guys, seasoned pros, you know, in the band, glittery suits, winkle pickers, Gibson guitars. And they were great. It was actually only recently that I found out that he'd, uh, Roy the Big O had died a couple of years before that. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you been watching? Well, I don't know, but he was very good. <laughs> You, you couldn't see behind his shades, you see. I thought he might have put a bit of timber on me. <laughs> you know, with the black hair. It was probably a wig. But it was absolutely <laughs> what amazing. do you think? <laughs> Come on, Simon. I don't know. Some keep people up. keep their hair black, don't they? <laughs> oh, no, so you'd watched a tribute act. It, look, it looks that way. <laughs> but either way, I enjoyed the night out. And well, so that's did Mark's the, mum. Mark that's the main thing. You know, we didn't have internet then. You know, somebody dies today, it's like all over, isn't it? Right, let me find out what year he died. I think it was 87, so I believe. Oh, that's hilarious. So you saw yeah. him in 89? Yeah, I think it was 89. And how long after? Two years after. No, how long after did you realise that it wasn't... Well, it was only about six months ago. <laughs> 
when I looked at the facts, you know, went through and played there, Gene Pitney, you know, all these old guys from the 60s, and I couldn't find it. I thought, surely he must be listed. And, and then I looked, let's see what, what his uh, birth and death date was. And of course, uh, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Mark knew? Yeah, he must have done. He's learning mic technique off the wrong bloke. Well, <laughs> yeah, he was very good, though, as I say. I didn't feel cheated at all. No. I enjoyed it. Well, it's the songs, isn't it? The songs yeah. are all great. As I say, I think he was better than Elvis. Let's really not go too... Oh, no, I do Really? Just you put him above sil- Elvis? Silky smooth, just a lovely tone to it. I, I think it was the shades that, I, when I was younger, I didn't Put like. me off? yeah. A bit like Peters and Lee, then. I found what it a bit think? sinister. What about Peters and Lee? Yeah, but didn't Peters and Lee, didn't he need the dark glasses? <laughs> well, um, either that or it's got a good guy doing his PR, you know, put these on. <laughs> anyway, the big O. Yeah. You were a big fan of. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah beautiful, yeah. Good man. The next O, Manchester band Oasis. Now, I've talked a lot about uh, Liam and Noel in the f- previous episodes. OK. Well, should we talk just about the band Oasis themselves, then, and where they fit? All right. I'll throw a few bands at you. OK. What ha- do you mean, who's best? Well, who, in your opinion. OK, right, so okay. I'll start with the Happy Mondays. Are you putting Oasis above or below the Happy Mondays? I'm putting them very close together. I think uh, Liam was, you know, best front man. So if it was top trumps... Liam would score more points. Slightly, because of that reason. For sh- than Sean. Yeah, and his yeah. attitude, uh, you know, bigging it up. You know, okay. Large, you know, Nebworth, you know. What about, well, let's say the Hollies? Well, I like the Hollies too. Um, the Air That I Breathe. I remember having that when I was at measles or chicken pox, one or the other, uh, when I was, you know, young, uh, listening to it. It was on the radio all the time. So that's kind of burnt into my brain. That is a great song, the air that I breathe. But the Oasis have got good songs too, so I'm going to go with Oasis. Oasis above them. Okay. Yeah. What about um, New Order? Where where do we stand with New Order and Oasis? Again, New Order have had some fine moments. Bizarre Love Triangle, Blue Monday, obviously. Confusion that I mentioned before about a remix by Arthur Baker, super producer. It's difficult to say with them two two different types of music. Again, Liam, the best frontman, so I've got to go with him. Yeah, I was going to say, when I've seen a New Order, unfortunately, Bernard's singing hasn't been the greatest. And I believe... Well, he wasn't the singer originally, so give him a bit of slack. (laughs) No, but he was in New Order. Also, I've I've learned that the person that I saw singing probably wasn't him on a few gigs. Who was it? I had no idea. What, the imposter? Yeah, somebody told me that they used to send some other kid out to sing. Is that not true? I've never heard that before. Oh, okay. we must investigate that further. I've seen Oasis play quite a few times. It's I think it's 24 years since Nebworth, isn't it? Is it really? And I I went to Nebworth and I watched it from the side of the stage. Did you see John Squire up there? No, was he with them? Yeah, he got up on, uh, did a couple of numbers. Uh, I remember seeing it on something or other. Oh, I don't know whether he did it on the night I was there. I think they played two nights, didn't they, at Nebworth? I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I walked out on the stage at one point before they came on because I'd had to go and see what the crowd looked like. I mean, you could not see the back of the... No, it was a big one, that, wasn't it? Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. But great atmosphere and great show. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, when you're thinking about live for New Order and Oasis, Oasis did put on a good show. 
And so did New Order. If Liam was up for it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. OK, what about then Take That? It's got to be Oasis again, although I do like Take That sometimes. Um, Have you seen Take That live? I've heard them, actually, um, outside my flat in Old Trafford. Uh, well, uh, what's he called? Gary Barlow. He was on last summer, I think, uh, some charity thing. So I heard him then. I've never seen him live. Though I have met Robbie Williams in the Hacienda uh, and the Gay Traitor. He, he, he looked haunted, you know, after he parted ways with the rest of the band. But I think he was the best one out of them, Robbie. Sing, Singing-wise, you know, attitude, <laughs> cocky, you know, like Liam. Could it be magic? A Barry Manilow's thing. Uh, I love it when it comes on the radio. I get all excited. <laughs> but you're still putting Oasis above Take That? Yeah. OK. Yeah. Well, the big one's got to be then Stone Roses. So it's Stone Roses against Oasis. Who is coming out on top? It's the Stone Roses, of course, because they'll admit Liam and Noel and what have you. They, they learnt a lot of Ian uh, when he first come up. You know, with the Roses in the late 80s. I think you're right. I think um, if we hadn't had... The Stone Roses, we wouldn't have Oasis, would we? They have to be the best ones. Yeah, of course they are the original, original's best. We wouldn't have had the Charlatans, I don't think, either. Because the old Tim there, you know, he got the look of Ian and everything, the walk. The music wasn't a million miles away from the Roses, the Charlatans. I like the Charlatans, I like Weirdo. That's my favourite one they did. It was that Rob Collins on keyboards who made them for me. It was so high up in the mix and it was so good, fluent, just rocks it, you know. Your number one Manchester band, is it the Stone Roses? No, it not be, it might be the Smiths. What about the Fall? Well, if you're talking in terms of longevity and original material and sticking to your guns, then of course the Fall. But all these bands have had amazing records, all of them, out over the years. Let's put it this way, you know, if you ask me... If you want to be in the Stone Roses or the Smiths, it's a really hard question. But I'll go with the Stone Roses. So we're, we're crowning the Stone Roses the best? In Manchester. Yeah, better than Simply Rad. We've not even mentioned 10CC. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, what a great band a 10CC were. Between the Roses and 10CC. Really? I think so. Some of them songs they did. Oh, no, they had some great Dreadlock Holiday. I'm but, not in love. Oh, it's got more than that. Rubber but, uh, bullets? Yeah, I'm, I am Mandy Flymer. Because when I was very young, that's what I was hearing on the radio. Same as the Hollies and Sweet and Slade, you know, all these people. Yeah, the Rose is better. Certainly live performance. But I don't think the drummer's as good as Rennie. We go back to Oasis. What's going on with them and drummers? Oh, I don't They're know. a bit spinal tap with the drummers, <laughs> aren't they? Well, uh, they had... St- uh, Steve White from Paul Weller's band's brother playing Alan. Uh, then they had... Didn't they have Zach Starkey at one point as yeah, well? Yeah, they did have Zach Starkey. He's very good. Better drummer than his dad, I think. I've seen him play with uh, the Healers in Japan, the Fuji Festival when I was on with uh, Ian. <laughs> the next old Jackie is Old Trafford Cricket Ground. Now, I live very near it. I'm not really into cricket, although in the 70s, when we only had three channels, I did watch the test matches. I think I would have probably been a bowler. That's, you know, But I never played it at school, played soccer. Uh, I've not, neither have I played there uh, in a band. You know, I'd like to, 
but you can hear it from where I live because I live right up high. <laughs> I've heard some great band there. I think Rihanna was on. I saw Morrissey there. Right, right, a few years ago. Yeah, a few years ago. Okay. About 15 years ago, I think. I've seen a couple of bands there. I'm just trying to think who else. Did Radiohead play there? They did. They did. I don't understand the appeal of them, if I'm honest. Radiohead, are you joking? I like Creek. Right, wait a minute. Single. Have you ever seen them play live? No, I could hear them from a flat. Was that enough? (laughs) (laughs) I saw them at the Apollo, and it's in in my top ten favourite gigs. Right, wow. They were unbelievable. This was probably 20 years ago. I mean, yeah. every song just seemed from, incredible. From Oxford, aren't they? Yeah, and I just think being in the Apollo as well, which is one of those great venues, sometimes it all comes together, doesn't it? Yeah. And it was one of those nights. Oh, I see. Right, OK. When Where it, everything just... Yeah, fits into place for yeah. them. Yeah, as a successful act. But they're not for you. No. Yeah, so it's really loud. Uh, the, the loudest band that played there, in my experience, was Foo Fighters. Apparently you could hear it 12 miles away, <laughs> that's what people say. But I'm, I'm about a quarter of a mile from it, the stadium. And it looks great, you know, with the floodlights on. Those um, diamond-shaped floodlights, quite nice. Again, they're playing test matches now there, aren't they, with nobody there. Same with Man United, you know, it's so odd. Because you normally see the crowds, you know, come out, and that's it's nice, you know, to see, watch people coming and going to the to the game or the the uh, test match. The United's ground, is it right next door to um, the, no, the cricket ground? No, it's, as the crow flies, probably about four, five hundred metres. <laughs> so it is sort it's of next Warwick, door. It's down Warwick Road. OK. The tram stop, Old Trafford, a lot of people get the tram to watch United to get off there and they walk to the Theatre of Dreams. And it takes about ten minutes. <laughs> That's how close it is. But I do miss all that atmosphere, especially you know when it comes to the winter time. I mean, you can see when United are playing and the floodlights are on, check in with the score. But Isn't the... it great when you hear the the crowd roar when they score? What on this fake crowd? Thing? No, no, in in the real world, not in this fake world we're in at the moment. Oh yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the only time you hear them. I love it. I think it's such yeah. a great sound to hear a crowd. Yeah, it's a good sound. Yeah. Isn't it? Old Trafford Cricket Ground. It's where I got married uh, to my first wife, Mandy, nineteen eighty nine, ninety. We had a do there basically. We got married in Las Vegas. Oh, very rock and roll. Yeah, it was a bit of a. Uh, Thing. We're staying in this massive Hilton hotel. It's got about six doors. <laughs> Nobody had a phone or anything or an internet. Anyway, the limousine came to pick us up to take us to the little white chapel. Did you get married by Elvis? Yeah, well, he, he wasn't trying to be Elvis, but he was of the same ilk, you know, with a quiff hair, grease back suit. Like Elvis's assistant, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, eventually, we're going round and round the hotel trying to find this limousine <laughs> that was booked you know, before the town hall closed because you have to go there first, pick this thing up, and then off you go to the little white chapel. Basically, we're going chasing each other around. Well, it, we eventually found him. He was in a foul mood because he'd missed his next slot, you know, by picking us up 20 minutes late while we're trying to find him. No phone number for him, obviously. It's about a million limousines. <laughs> And uh, kind of put a damper on it. I was going to say, that's not romance. <laughs> no, I know. 
But it was dead funny. We got there and the guys are going, it's serious. This is serious, you know. We just couldn't stop laughing at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible there. So you came back and you went to Old Trafford Cricket Ground and had a party? That's right, yeah. Yeah, we did. Lovely time. Dave Booth, the late Dave Booth, God bless him, uh, was the DJ that night. Um, Johnny was there and Angie, and they bought me a massive ghetto blaster, you know, for our wedding present. <laughs> it was great. I remember in the nights again, I bang on about that song, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. I got a real measure of it that night. I thought, wow, this is amazing. So, yeah, I've got great memories of Old Trafford. My next O is Tony O, who was the lead singer of World of Twist, one of the greatest bands that never made it to worldwide stardom, in my opinion. Very similar to a kind of sound that Roxy Music were doing in the 70s with Brian Eno. But he was just an amazing front man. He had a big, floppy, dark fringe hair. He was so handsome, wasn't he? He really was. He basically he used to work the mic. He used to t- he used to turn side onto the crowd. He, he just he used to work the microphone cable like a yeah. whip, you know, behind him, make waves and <laughs> if he flicked it right, you know. He was, I think, one of the greatest frontmen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Sons of the Stage, brilliant. The Storm, uh, some remixes of that that still make my hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Going back to your um, previous question oh, tonight go on. about. Oasis or oh, yes. World of Twist. I've got to say World of Twist. So do I. Right. I'm glad we agree on that. For anybody that went to see them at the Ritz at Christmas, where Tony came out in, covered in tin foil. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that gig. Yeah, I've seen him a couple of times. They had a big wheel at the back. They had they? a wheel, yeah. What did the wheel say? Uh, I think it said rock and roll. Rock and roll. And guess who copied that? Liam that's Gallagher. Right, that's right. Correct. But he loved World of Twist as well, and he was at that gig. Yeah, he was. And he loves Sons of the Stage, and he covers that as a song. Does he really? Yeah, he does, and he does a really good version of it. Oh, boy. And now Noel was going to call Oasis Sons of the Stage. Just as they were getting big, he suddenly decided he didn't think he should be the singer anymore. Right. And we all thought, no, Tony, no. Um, it's such a tragic thing that happened to him. Took the wrong path. A recurring theme, you know, in the rock and roll game, as you know. Some have been luckier than others. I count myself lucky that I got out of all that mm. in time, but he didn't. What a fantastic band. They would have been world-dominating had they carried on. So God rest his soul, Tony Ogden. The next though. It's my nickname that Craig gave me, the Oracle. So this is Craig Scanlon? Yeah, it's nothing to do with the Wombles. (laughs) (laughs) Not back to the Wombles again. Yeah, he he used to call it me affectionately. We'd be on tour with the Fall, you know, for uh, years and years. We'd do the gig or whatever, get back to the hotel, get the old vodka and orange. (laughs) (laughs) Jim lad. Yeah. And we're like, oh, should we go out then? Yeah, OK. So normally we'd be in a big city and he could walk down the road and Craig used to say, right, we're going where Simon the Oracle goes. Because he always seemed to have a better time um, in the particular bar or pub or whatever, wherever we were, uh, was located, you know, if I had picked it. That's what he got in his head anyway. And it got, it got um, the burden of the responsibility. <laughs> it got, got quite a lot, you know. For me, to pick a good place every time. You were the youngest as well, so they probably thought you'd go where the action was. And the girls. And the girls, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what it was. 
because they probably would have ended up in a you know an Irish pub in an old man's pub yeah with a, you know where um, no Mark like going he, he liked going to these trendy bars you know in Munich you know electronica and what have you they're known for it in Germany and we're there a lot so so, you, so you'd have to search out a pub well I just sort of follow me now <laughs> so we walk down the street so we had some you know music wafting out of the door you know depending what sort of uh, beat it had or that's what I go by, you know, in any sort of music, if you like the beat. And for most of it, was it a good night? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's like being on holiday, wasn't it? Being on tour, when Mark wasn't around. <laughs> I used to go out with Mark separately, you see, and have a great night out with him as well. Then I'd go out with Craig and Steve if Mark was with Bricks or whoever his wife was at the time. <laughs> Um, it must be difficult though when you're touring and you have to move on that night though. You don't, you, you can't <clears throat> get to see anything of the city. Well, you can have your own party. <laughs> oh, good grief! <laughs> on the tour bus, uh, which you know would have bunk beds in. You'd pick your bunk, furthest one away from the smelly, stinking toilet. <laughs> Lounge at the back, seats at the front. Mark would usually take the back room. That'd be his headquarters, and he'd come out, you know, like a, a, a teacher. Check up on everybody, see what they were talking about. Tell everybody to be quiet. Yeah, and the, the driver, you know, get your foot down. And what um, <laughs> What were the things that the fall would get up to on the tour bus? Did you play cards? We did play Twister for a while, but I think we did that in hotel corridors with Bricks and Marsh, you know what I mean? Twister, but, where you put your left leg down and your yeah, right hand. Yeah. You're not doing that on a tour bus. We might have tried. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go into details, but uh, obviously... Right, just tell me, was everybody naked, yes or no? Oh, no, no, right, nothing okay. like that. Thank God for no, that. No, Nobody uh, needs that image. Not out of the band, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so were you playing cards? Uh, playing cards not for really. money? Just listening to music and drinking and having a smoke. I'd, I'd be at the front, me, a lot. With the driver, I felt sorry for him. Reading the maps for him, you know, no sat-nav or anything like that. And oh. I, I used to like it sometimes, it, because nobody would bother you. And Mark used to say, go and sit with him, will you, Sag? You know, dead late at night, and the bus is going, whoa. <laughs> you were just keeping him awake. <laughs> well, as that as well. <laughs> uh, but, so yeah. you don't really know what was going on. They were getting rid of you by making you go and sit with the driver. And, no, then, it, and then it was all happening at the back. Sometimes I like to get away. It's hard being on tour, you know, with a load of blokes and women. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't just limit it to the men. You know how it is. It's like being on a submarine. But I loved it, you know, when he went to sleep, finally, in the middle of, you know, America somewhere, and you're going from east to west. The sound of the prop shaft, it was so soothing to me. Although I didn't get the one on the bottom bunks, they'd be dead hot. <laughs> you have to get the top ones away from the smelly box. <laughs> There's a lot of rules. Yeah, well, it's first come, first serve. And were there double beds on it? <laughs> asking me for <laughs> I'm not propositioning you. What no. like Sammy with that? <laughs> oh, it would have been nice, wouldn't it? But no, Mark well, would have got that. that. Well, that's what I'm thinking. If, if, if Mark and Bricks were travelling together, are they both in single bunks? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. or oh, lying on the back, in the back lounge, it's got a separate door, you know, like a cabin door. I think he thought he was, you know, well, he was the captain of this year. <laughs> So, you know, he got his uh, quarters there. 
Did you cook on the bus? Cook? <laughs> <laughs> no, got restaurants now. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's things called restaurants now, Jackie, and takeaways. So there was no cooking on the bus. No, there wasn't there like wasn't, a little kitchen area. The, or the, yeah, there was a microwave. But why were you laughing so much? <laughs> well, we weren't cooking it. We're getting a stale pizza in the dressing room all oh, day and eating dear. it up. Right. Well, obviously, we'd have all the crates and ice and ice buckets full of the booze that we got on the rider, uh, which came with us. That was the first priority. As soon as you came off stage, get it in there. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be gone. You know, you get fans in, and we'd have to pay for beers ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> You're just all really worried about having to pay for a drink. <laughs> get the beer quick. Well, you know, um, you didn't get debit cards till we were in Australia, and that was about 1990. You couldn't. How can you get money if you haven't got a, a wad of notes, dollars, US or whatever? But I loved it on the coaches, I really did. We had several drivers. <laughs> what happened to your drivers? Or were they only booked to stay for a bit? Yeah, they, kept, they came and went. We had one particular one. A lot of them were ex-military. You know, Navy or Army. One driver we had, um, there was a bit of a fight going on. We were going drive. Well, I wasn't with them. It was when Emily was first born. She was six months old. The rest of the band went down to the Phoenix Festival, which is an old airfield down near uh, Warwickshire Rugby Way. It's a good festival, actually. But the Sex Pistols were on in 1996. Took Emily and the ex down in the car and the BM and... Uh, <laughs> we saw at the side of the motorway a uh, broken down bus with a puncture and, and all the band mark was berating this driver because he got a puncture, you know. So I just put my foot down. Uh, what, you left them? Well, I wasn't going to get, you know, Mark and Craig and Bricks. <laughs> Everyone in was. <laughs> so you just zoomed past them? Yeah, yeah, I did. I've just got, I've got Emily with me, you see. But anyway, um, <laughs> they had a fight with the driver. They were still arguing at the end of the gig, which was great, by the way. And the pistols were amazing. Just sounded like they used to sound on the record. They got to meet Glenn Matlock at the uh, tea station, you know. Somebody from our party squirted orange juice over John Lydon. He went mad. You know, one of them Kiora um, drinks with a straw sticking out. It must have been a vacuum in there something. Oh, shut up. <laughs> But they were great, the crew from the Pistols, they really looked after us and made it dead easy for us. Great time was had by all, but there was a fight between the coach driver and either Mark or JR, and I don't know how they got home, because as I say, I got going quick. <laughs> <laughs> you legged it. So we need a soundtrack for the letter O, what have you got? Well, I've got Roy Orbison, I Drove All Night, lovely driving song, love it. I've got Cameo, She's Strange, Tears of a Clown, Smokey Robinson, Rock the Boat, George McRae, one of my favourite songs at the moment, Christina and the Queen's Girlfriend. Great, okay, we'll see you next week. Okay. This podcast was produced and edited by John. 
Post-production is by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media Limited. Music by Colin McGrath, Joe Brown, Johnny Smale and Simon Wollstonecroft. And the artwork is by Lee Dyer. This has been Funky Size A to Z of Manchester. Thanks for listening to Funky Size A to Z of Manchester. If you're enjoying this series, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.